is a fan-off production. Welcome everyone to Erie International. This is episode 365. I am Andy from Germany. And I'm Dave from the UK. Uh, our third co-host, David, is from the US and currently not with us. So it's the two of us, the European Erie International Edition. And this week we will talk about the movie Werewolves Within, a werewolf video game adaptation which yeah we will get into later we are here international of course your favorite horror podcast on which we mostly talk about movies sometimes about games literature whatever sometimes not even about horror in the past there were times when we just picked other movies because we felt like it more often than But not that's my fault <laughs> that's not true <laughs> is it not okay. no it's not true I was specifically thinking of this uh, one occasion where we just did um, a, a three week series of, of personal movies that we wanted the others to see where you oh, did yeah. Love, Honor and Obey I picked uh, Love and a 45 and David picked um, not Primer the other one Uh, the other Shane Carruth movie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, which where we specifically uh, didn't pick horror movies, but just personal favorites that the others hadn't seen yet, and we wanted them to see and discuss. So there we go. It was just for the for the listeners to to get us to know a little bit better, I guess. And yeah, just we felt like it. But mm. the werewolves this week, so I'm pretty sure we're good with uh, with being horror. Um, you can find us on social media at EerieINT on Twitter, Erie International on Instagram and Facebook. We have an email address, International at gmail.com. Send us emails. We'll read them on the air unless you tell us not to. If you just want to send us personal love letters that are not for the public, just say <laughs> so in your message. You're too we'll... bloody late. If you're sending love letters and you're listening to us now, well after Valentine's Day, you missed, <laughs> you missed your opportunity, everyone. I'm sad to say. Yeah, well, is, we we didn't give uh, listeners the chance last week to send us letters uh, for Valentine's Day <laughs> because we took a week off. They knew it was coming. They, <laughs> they, they, they don't have an excuse. Don't make excuses for the listeners, Andy. I'm very disappointed right. at my lack of Valentine's Day action. <laughs> well, all right. They don't love us. No, no. I Never think mind. they do. Well, you know, I, I never assume love. I, I, I wait for confirmation. <laughs> <laughs> so send us your love messages uh, even after Valentine's Day so that Dave knows he is loved by the general public. 
yeah, I I need the pick me up. Frankly, <laughs> I need that. I need that boost right now. <laughs> I'm not trying to guilt trip it, people into messaging in, you know, declaring their undying love or anything like that. It's just meh. <laughs> uh, it's a couple of. It's you been have a to week. buy your chocolates yourself. Yeah, that's the. Yeah, I, did, I, I, I shouldn't be eating chocolate. I'm the sad reality. Carrying well, far too much weight already. Well don't we all <laughs> uh, yeah there are some that are, are annoyingly slim but yeah. there we go i'm not gonna hold it <laughs> against them you know that's that's their fortune and, and my misfortune but what can i say oh let's move on from this shall we <laughs> this navel gazing is getting on my nerves more horror please less yeah. chocolate <laughs> um all right let's Get cracking then and talk about a few things that we watched or whatever did over the past two weeks that are related to the horror genre. I have three movies that I want to mention because two of those I saw at the Fantasy Film Fest White Nights, one of the shorter festivals. So as I mentioned in the past, if you are a long-term listener, you already know this, but in Nuremberg and other cities in Germany, once a year we have Fantasy Film Fest, a roughly eight-day, sometimes longer, sometimes shorter, uh, festival of horror movies, science fiction, Asian action movies, genre movies just in, in general. And that's the, the long one in... September-ish, and then they have two shorter spin-offs uh, of that festival, um, the Fantasy Film Fest Nights, and then at some point they added the Fantasy Film Fest White Nights because they happened during winter. Uh, and yeah, the, the White Nights are just, uh, at this point, two weeks behind us. I believe it's two weeks. And I saw two movies there. So it was a, a Saturday and a Sunday, a, a total of, I don't know, eight movies or so that they showed, and I saw two of those. First movie that we watched was a film from, from South Korea called Project Wolf Hunting, which was advertised as the new, like, the new extreme the new ultra-violent movie from Korea or from Asia a few weeks, a few weeks, a few years ago, last year, two years ago. Um, they showed The Sadness from Taiwan, which was at that point like the ultra-violent movie. Uh, and now it, they said oh, Project Wolf Hunting, the, 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 the new violent movie of, uh, that, that is even more violent than The Sadness. Uh, you always, in my um, experience, have to be cautious with such advertisements. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, unless all you need in a movie is buckets of blood, which is fine, uh, because this movie is very violent. They, I don't know how many gallons of uh, blood <laughs> they pumped through that movie a lot um story goes like this it's a it's like a, it's like a, a, a crime movie with a genre bend there's this a, a group of extra dangerous criminals get transported 
from um not entirely sure anymore where they start maybe thailand and um they get transported to to south korea and um yeah they are they are uh, there's a they they are put on a like a a a tanker so because they are so ultra violent and so dangerous you can't put them on a normal ship they they are put on this this um cargo ship um them and a bunch of um police and of course shit goes wrong they are able to free themselves and and, and kill a bunch of people and then as an extra added bonus there's a a scientific experiment on board a another mm, hmm, used to be a man <laughs> uh, who got injected stuff and, and now is this this like a like a like a captain america super powered but mo- monster man <laughs> uh, <laughs> who can okay. see uh, but can 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 hear and is super strong and super violent and just rips everyone apart so there's the police there's the gangsters and then there's this beast and and they are all on this on this ship no one can escape no one can get to them and um everyone's shooting and ripping everyone else apart that's basically the movie <laughs> buckets of blood um a a uh, an an excuse of a plot <laughs> uh and yeah i don't know i wasn't very entertained i thought it was pretty boring to be honest um because o- only blood um doesn't really in itself satisfy me enough to keep me engaged with the movie i thought the 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 action and the presentation of everything wasn't engaging enough to to keep me entertained for roughly two hours or whatever it was mm. and yeah i mean there was a lot of blood that's that's it <laughs> if, if, if that's enough for you enjoy <laughs> uh, next day we watched a very different movie which is called soft and quiet <laughs> which um yeah now that you've heard me describe project wolf hunting which is neither soft nor quiet um <laughs> this this other movie it's it's partially soft and quiet but it's not as soft and quiet as the title might make you believe it's a blumhouse production Mm -hmm. it's a very um but it's it's um very at the at the very independent core of blumhouse so this movie uh, i don't know how much uh, money they had i didn't look it up but if i had to guess i'd say it was under a million probably way under a million (laughs) Mm. Um, and what I found intriguing about this movie is that it is written and directed by the same person so if you want you can call this an auteur movie Um, a a woman um, whose name I'm not trying to pronounce (laughs) and uh, many other positions on the movie were also filled with women i know i remember the 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 dp was definitely a woman and and i believe many other positions as well and it's about it is about a group of of women 
who form who go get together not not all of them know them uh, um, know each other uh, at this point and they they get together to form a a new club uh, which is basically a <laughs> racist women club because um, all of them feel like these people of color are taking their spaces and places and taking away jobs from them and their children get indoctrinated in school by ideas that are um, that are not in line with their American white American heritage mm. so these people get together these women get together form form this club you, you beginning of the movie you experience their their first getting together their their first meeting um, and then some of these women um, encounter a a pair of Asian American women I believe uh, sisters and again shit goes down um, <laughs> the I, I believe if I remember correctly the movie is presented as one shot I again I, I should do my research <laughs> yeah. I'm not entirely sure if the movie was actually shot in one go which is very possible but it's Definitely. possible, but unlikely. I mean, e even some of the highest end movies that are presented in that format, like um, what was the Michael Keaton one that I can't remember the name of right now? Birdman. Um, yeah. Well, you know, they they did uh, a lot of clever cutting together to give it yeah. the idea of one shot, but gave themselves the room. I, I suppose the the question is: the lower the budget, are they more or less likely to? do it all in one go just to save them having to edit it in, in a yep. in a convincing way my take would be because everything else in the movie it, it is just people talking and walking and a camera being with them mm. i'd say in the case of soft and quiet it is more likely that it is actually one shot than it is um, in a movie like um Birdman or, or 1917 where there's more production going on around these actors hmm. um, but and with Birdman you can see moments where the camera goes onto someone's back or yeah. similar to what Hitchcock did in was it Rope the English title where the, the camera goes like onto the the bag of a person, and then mm. there's there's, there's a, a disguised edit, especially of, of course in the case of Hitchcock, uh, where he didn't have the luxury of shooting digitally, which gives yeah. you the opportunity to shoot for hours and hours. And on film, you, you it, it just wasn't possible. You, you just had limited time for a take, and then you had to edit it together. Yeah. So, yeah. anyway, it's easier when you can film somebody's back and almost make the frame completely black. It makes yeah. cutting those things together a much easier prospect. Yeah. And in the case of Soft and Quiet, I didn't notice any moments that would give away a uh, an obvious edit. So, mm. not entirely sure. Anyway, it's presented as a wanna. Um, it's possible that they did shoot it as a wanna, but of course, it. it like I don't know a 90 minute movie um, several location changes um, still I believe it is possible um, but not necessarily 
um, 100% true. Uh, yeah. So possibly there's it. Anyway, doesn't matter. It's very raw. It's you're very close to all these characters. Um, you, you, it is very, of course, um, top topical. <laughs> um, and I, yeah, I, I liked it. I thought it was presented very well. I thought it was acted very well. And the the, the the raw presentation of it all, the very intimate camera, but you're always very close with these characters and you see the progression of the anger and violence and how the the whole situation gets out of hand and everything that happens afterwards. Um, it's very intense and I'm... Uh, again, what... what What I was most intrigued by was the idea of Blumhouse taking a chance and, and taking some money <laughs> mm. to to produce this this movie that that came from from one mind, written and directed by again yeah. um, a lady. Please look up the name. I just there, there was an introduction by her. She pronounced her name, but I cannot reproduce it. <laughs> uh, um, she, she's also I don't know a person of color. I'm not entirely sure. Maybe of Mexican descent, or uh, again, I don't want yeah. to speculate. Uh, yeah, soft and quiet. Uh, I don't know if it's out in the US already. I oh, I, I believe. David has seen it, if I remember correctly, from Letterboxd. So I guess there is some way in the US at least to see it. So mm. look it up. Cool. I can't Soft remember what it's quiet. called now. Softly and Quietly or something? Soft and Quiet. Yeah. Soft and Quiet. That's it. It sounds like an advert for uh, toilet paper, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I took the opportunity and... Uh, looked the movie up on wikipedia and i have uh, some information about the shooting of the movie oh okay so as wikipedia tells us soft and quiet the film was shot in one continuous take over the course of four separate days the bulk of the film on screen comes from the fourth day of shooting so they did shoot it four times in one take and then It seems like they did at least some editing, but I would have, yeah, because con you can't continuously film for what would that be ninety six hours straight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so it would have to be a case of it would be a day of continuous shooting, and then the next day you would do a continuous shoot again, and then edit those together. I would imagine. I don't know. I'm not sure. Uh, uh, sorry. <laughs> Now I'm very confused. So they did shoot the entire movie. Right. One day, the entire thing. The next day, the entire thing. The third day, the entire thing. And the fourth day, the entire thing. They filmed so it they, four times. Yeah, they, they filmed it four times. And huh. then the movie, as it is finished, as Wikipedia says, uh, the bulk of the film on screen comes from the fourth day of shooting. So the fourth take the fourth try seems to have been the the best one but it seems like they replaced a few things from that fourth day with versions from days one through three okay interesting so the they actually filmed it as a oneer four times 
which is impressive. <laughs> so the, the the energy and the, the the performances of these women to to stay in these characters for the entirety of ninety minutes, mm. um, I must have been pretty intense because it's it's an it's an intense story. It's an intense movie, and to 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 do that. Four days in a row, or mm. I, I don't know if, uh, let me see, uh, take over the course of four separate days. So they, they don't necessarily did shoot these on four days in a row. There may have been uh, yeah. a, a break, uh, but still um, pretty impressive. The fact that they used a majority of the fourth uh, occasion as well is is quite something because you would think that although the nuances of the performances could improve over the course of you know multiple rehearsals like you mentioned like the energy levels and i've not seen this film um you have and and you would be the one that could speak to this but you would think that the energy levels by the fourth time of of asking would have dropped a little bit mm. um it almost sounds more like they're filming a stage play and it's just that the camera is more of an interactive part of the staging than um than a lot of things like i don't know like the filming of hamilton for example where the yeah. camera is mainly viewing uh viewing the stage from the point of view of the audience yeah my you yeah. know versus the camera actually being on stage in a 3d environment with no um audience and and it's mm. kind of in the mix if that makes any sense yeah yeah which makes it even more impressive is that this movie does not take place entirely indoors in one location mm. so they 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 walk around they get into cars and drive to other locations and yeah. they get on a boat at the end so it's not like when when as soon as they started shooting they only had this one chance. They couldn't just stop and do it again because, again, as Wikipedia says, um, action star... Uh, so, uh, the film was shot in one continuous take over the course of four separate days with action starting at 6.34 p.m. as they wanted the outdoor discussion by the white women of what would happen to the two sisters to be at last light. So, they... Jeez. <laughs> they planned with the sun going down so if they had started like i don't know 20 minutes later it wouldn't have worked so if the the, the, the camera had to be on point the cars and everything that the performances um it, it is it is actually pretty impressive <laughs> i i appreciate the lengths they've gone to to capture this aesthetic because clearly they want that single take aesthetic yeah, it would have been so much easier for them to spend the same four days just filming scenes and editing them together you know, <laughs> but I guess, you know, artistic vision is an important thing and props to them for having gone to those extremes to to get what they wanted on film. Yeah, it is. I mean, if you don't edit, the effect is or the effect that you want that technique to have is for the audience to really stay with the story and stay with the characters. Because every edit takes you out of the movie. You realize mm. it's a movie that I'm watching. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm assuming that is the the idea to really be with these women, to, to not give the audience the chance of looking away, in a sense, by having an edit. Yeah. Um, and... You want the full immersion of yeah. being, the, uh, you know, essentially the camera is is you in, in that instance. Yeah. It's quite literally 
your view or uh, it through the the window and and into that world um yeah, yeah okay. it's it's definitely an effective way of telling a story like i i really really enjoyed birdman this mm, is the only yeah, film that i can really speak of that that used the same technique that i can think of um I, I, you know, it was really, really cleverly done, and I was constantly engaged in what was going on. Mm. And I did appreciate the fact that I was just getting this singular viewpoint, and that everything was happening in real time, or at least for the most part in real time, because there is a little bit of a jump um, at the end of the film. I suppose, strictly speaking, Birdman isn't entirely single shot because there is a cut near the end from memory. It's been a while since I watched it. I've not seen it since it was in cinemas. I seem to remember there being a cut during the kind of time jump, but I, yeah. I could be wrong on that, to be honest. Um, but yeah, it's a, it's a really um, interesting uh, way of, of uh, capturing a story, and it's not something, even now, that is done yeah. as often as you would think. Oh, actually, wasn't 1917 done in a single shot as yeah, well? Yeah, it mentioned 1917. Yes, or, yeah. I haven't seen the movie, so I'm not, uh, again, this is a case where I'm not entirely sure how they actually did it, mm. but it is definitely presented as one take i think it was cut a couple of times but Probably. i have seen a lot of behind the scenes stuff um during the outdoor battle scenes um mm. in, like in the trenches and the lengths that they went to yeah. to get the camera like they had these massive rigs set up which they could easily hook the camera onto that could turn it into like a boom arm and mm-hmm. then it came down the other side and they would take it off of the boom arm and mm-hmm. carry it handheld again it was like so impressive just the you know we've we've talked before about last night in um soho and specifically the dance yeah. scene and that yeah. behind the scenes shot that they did showing how the two actresses seamlessly um were choreographed into that single dance and it's that but for cameramen because <laughs> the yeah. cameramen didn't really have to do much other than keep trained on the action all of the choreography for last night in soho it's it's all the impressive thing is all about the actors. And nineteen seventeen yeah, well, is the I reverse. The, of that. The, the, the steady cam is part of the dance because. Oh the, no! Sure, sure. The, but the, the, they they really have all of them have to be in in unison because if the camera points the wrong direction, you see the other actress. Or no, that's true. That's true. But take, I, uh, giving I, away the technique. I guess the reason that they are getting less credit from me on this occasion and they should be getting more credit and you're right to point that out Andy is the fact that the cameraman's job is to capture the action and so to me watching that it feels like the cameraman is just doing their job they're following the action and it's the actors that are going out of their way to duck under the camera and stay out of the way of the shot and all that kind of stuff whereas 1917 it's the opposite in that it's the camera crew and the film crew that are doing all of the really hard work and the, I mean, the actors are doing doing a hell of a lot as well. Don't get me wrong, but they're essentially just acting out the scene as they would in a, in any other film. It's just it's a very long scene. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, sing, was, single shot is great. There was episode six of the Haunting of Hill House, um, which is presented as a wanna, which yeah. I believe has like five cuts. It, it's it's five or six parts that they edited together. Um, mm. But it is presented as a one, and there's a yeah, a similar um, similar uh, work to be done with with everything that they that they did in that house when the the, the camera wasn't looking, people yeah. changing statues and turning things around before the camera ca- camera mm. comes back again and stuff. Yeah. Like that. But even mostly one is, of course, are used just within 
a movie, that there's a sequence that is uh, shot as a wanna or within a TV show. There's the famous wanna from from the first season of True Detective, when you have just like uh, like a big action sequence and to not take you out of that moment. Um, so, uh, such things are are shot as as wanna's, but yeah, to 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 do a whole movie as a wanna, I mean, it is a it is a quite a task and of course the the story that you're telling and the the the, the quote-unquote action that you want to present needs to be need, needs to lend itself to do as a one of mm. of course there is you, you can't shot, shoot star wars as a one-take movie <laughs> no no i mean there are ways of editing it to look like a one-take i suppose but it wouldn't lend itself narratively to it i mean apart from anything else star wars is famous for those swat uh, those uh, um swipes where it takes yeah. you from one uh story to another um it really is like one of the films that i think of when when you talk about kind of like multiple stories taking place within the same film it's one of the ones that's yeah. and it, it draws its attention it draws your attention to the fact because it, they use the ugliest bloody wipes uh in in, oh. in those star wars movies and they don't give a damn and i kind of love them for that but it's like circle I... wipe Side wipe. Uh, <laughs> what wipes have we got in the editing I, software? Let's use I, all of them. I, I like those transitions. I mean, no, in, the, I, in, the, again. In, the, in the very first Star Wars movies, it's just wipes, and that's uh, that's something that Judge Lucas took from from Akira Kurosawa. Um, but I always enjoy that. Of course, I mean, a, a, the the thing about a wonder is a wonder needs to be a movie in real time. Yeah, you can't have a time jump and pretend to have a shot in one take. <laughs> mm. As soon as there's a time jump, you can't do it as a wonder. And of no. course, editing is another technique and another tool to tell something. Some mm. things are told in edits. So you, you can't tell every story without um, without having a cut. No, look, there, there are some films that lend themselves to wonders, like you said. There are some films that really don't. And I, I would be interested to see a film where they do a time jump in one cut and I've got no idea how they could do it other than leveraging CG technology or something to age the characters if we're talking about like years and years. But mm, I don't know, well, in certain circumstances, I think it could be done. I just, I agree with you that I, I think that it's it's not something that lends itself to it and they would have to be very particular about how they were. I mean, they it. do something like that in the Haunting of Hill House, where they, where the, the camera turns around and they switch the the younger versions and the older versions mm. of the characters wh while the the camera takes a turn, mm. which means you can, if if you maybe don't care about the the set looking the same, you can have a time jump. You cannot have a jump in location. <laughs> no, no, that's true. Well, you'd have to have a very, very good set manager and, yeah. and design yeah. crew. It would, it would be almost like those stage. There are some stage plays that do wonderful things with scenery. There really are. And like I sure. remember going to watch. Um, we went to watch Greece way, way back when Shane Ritchie was uh, was in the cast. We're, we're talking like late nineties, I think here, and they had like a flying car because obviously there's a scene where the, the car at the end flies. Um, but it famously 
almost never worked. It was the McDonald's ice cream machine of the theatre industry. Um, you were very lucky if you would ever be able to watch it actually working. Um, but then, like, more recently, I went to watch uh, Wizard of Oz and they had, like, this rotating yellow brick road. Um, it was basically just a, a circular um, rotating platform with a yellow brick road on it so that they mm. they could keep walking on it and they'd never get to the end. Yeah. Really simple when you think about it, but whoever came up with the concept and the idea of it, like, they they were... It's it's easy to mm. look at something and say, oh, that's a simple idea. But to come up with the idea is the trick, you know. Mm. And there's a lot of that in theatre set design. And yeah. I'm not surprised that there's an awful lot of people that transition so easily from theatre into filmmaking, especially when they're operating in a space where practical effects are being used and practical set design is being uh, leveraged to uh, make the most of, of certain um, techniques. Um the two go hand in hand, and it's not just actors, it's not just mm. directors, it's everyone involved. Um, I, I, I've talked before about the fact that I really, really love um, Adam Savage's Tested, which is a YouTube channel, um, which is primarily a vehicle for Adam Savage. Obviously, that's the name of the channel. Uh, but he was one of the two leads on Mythbusters years ago. And he's got a massive uh, background in theatre work, but also special effects. He worked for Industrial Light and Magic. He worked on several of the uh, the Star Wars movies. Uh, I think he had a hand in the latest Ghostbusters, or it might just be that he was close to people that were involved, and so he had a lot of insight there. But um, it's always fascinating when he does something regarding... Um, set design or prop design and he kind of lets you into that little world and the fact that he's worked on uh not just he's he's worked on everything from community theater to high budget movies everything in between um and it's it's interesting just how much crossover there is it shouldn't be any surprise i suppose but it kind of still is to me that there's this crossover between um the the theater you know the west end or broadway and hollywood movies um but the the skill sets match so you know why wouldn't you and and now we're getting these one shots uh one shot movies which in a way owe an awful lot to theater production and theater design because like that is a method of storytelling where everybody in the theater sitting in those stalls is a camera and they only have one shot, you know? Like, okay, you blink. Technically, that's an edit. But <laughs> you know mm. what I mean? Like, we, you know, when but I'm... The curtain I'm... is an edit. You can close the curtain. Oh, you the clever bastard. Why, why have you got a takedown? <laughs> <laughs> I find this, this is, it's a very interesting conversation, a conversation that we rarely have in, no, you're in, right. in this depth because the, I have so many thoughts about the things that you, you have said and, and the, um, the, the idea of taking... Um, techniques from the stage to put them in a movie. You you talked about the to, to go back a little bit yeah. uh, about the yellow brick road and, and stuff like that. And and of course these are techniques that make it easier on stage. But if you would implement those into a one take movie, and as we established, the the oneer is there to give you a sense of realism and and, and a sense of immersion. Mm. And if you would then implement a like a, a theater technique which is obviously artificial um yeah, yeah. And, and of course there was like like um last one trio 
with the movie Dogville and the the follow up which I'm blanking on right now, which was basically a um a a movie that was shot on a stage where there was nothing on the stage but the actors and mm. white lines on the floor which um were there to um, uh, was it the, the there there were houses in the story but they were only representable white lines on the floor uh and the camera walked around on stage with the actors um and it's it's a very unique aesthetic mm. um but it is not the immersion uh of something like soft and quiet no and then no. theater of course it's it's a totally different framing for the audience because you are the same person but you come with a different set of expectations if you're sitting in a cinema or in a theater because in a theater you accept that this is actors on a stage um, with with very rudimentary set design at times but you accept that this is now a castle and now we've made a time jump because one actor says oh wow where have the last 15 years gone Uh, and you know there was not a time jump of 15 <laughs> years and the actor hasn't aged 15 years uh, but you accept it because it is live theater but in cinema you have very different expectations you expect it to be quote unquote more realistic looking um, to, you, you would argue well if there's a time jump of 15 years why is that dude still looking the same they, he, yeah. they, they should have put some makeup on him or, or, or stuff like that well you and, see this is This is why you cast Tom Cruise in the role whenever you have this kind of thing. You never cast Tom Cruise in a role. That's my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if you want someone that never looks like they age, then you go for someone that has never looked like they've aged. Uh, it's quite simple. Yeah. No, um, yeah, no I, I, I agree with, with the points that you've made there. Like, Film tends to be a very separate thing, unless you're talking about German expressionism. Uh, like we talked about Cabinet of Cagliostro years ago. Caligari. Caligari. I'm, I'm getting Castle of Cagliostro yep. mixed up with Caligari. <laughs> um, but yeah, so the cabinet of, of uh, Dr. Cal uh, Caligari. And like that German expressionistic filmmaking has an awful lot of theatre in it. Like the set mm. design of that is, is very theatre-like um, in, in ways. But then again, that's the very early days of cinema where it was literally like, well, we're going to make a stage play, but it's going to be on camera. Mm. You know, So it's understandable. Um, I mean, there's still movies that do that. I mean, just oh, yeah, of the example of, of Las Venturas Dogville, which is at this point mm, roughly 20 years old or so. Mm. It's just, yeah, the, the, the question of um, what kind of aesthetic do you want to present and which audience are you playing to? Because, again, you would not present a Marvel superhero movie in the way of of Dogville or of Dr. Caligari because mm. the audience wouldn't go along with it because if they did they would have accepted older superhero <laughs> movies yeah. where the, they only started accepting superhero movies where the uh, when um, computer generated images were mm. at a at a stage where flying and and the action and everything made everything was able more to seamless. be presented in a more realistic way yeah No, that's fair. I, I think where I was uh, kind of trying to... I don't think I used my words particularly well with, with the 
um, when I was drawing comparisons to like the Yellow Brick Road, because I think what I was trying to say was um, like going back to House on Haunted Hill, the fact that they had this like practical um, aspect to the one shot episode where they were had crew come in whenever the camera was off of that area and they would redress the set in real time that the advantage of having people that work in theatre is that they're so used to redressing sets and having sets designed in a way where you literally flip a switch and everything is changed in a, in a in an instant that you can you can leverage that um that particular uh, experience from the theatre world and use it in a a one-shot mm. arena because you can then change your set to a degree where it does look like it's 15 years later and the mm-hmm. furnishings have changed or there's dust everywhere now or you know there there are these things that you can pick up on like m- maybe all of the pictures in on the the uh, wall have changed uh, or something you know um there are ways to design around that my mm-hmm. one of my favorite things about um the san siro which is uh, we're, we're drifting into football talk but don't worry it actually <laughs> does have some relevance to what we're talking about um one of my favorite things about the san siro uh, is that it's the home uh, of two italian football teams inter milan and ac milan and depending on who's playing that day they have pictures on the walls of the walkways and, and whatnot that are hinged so when it's a Milan uh, home game, they turn they. they it, it's almost like a a door that goes 180 degrees to the other side. It's like there's a, there's a hinge on it. It it will have pictures of AC Milan players on it, and then when Internazionale are playing at home, that that photo will then be hinged the other way. So it's almost like a shutter, and mm-hmm. it will have an Inter Milan player on it, and it's just one of my favorite compromise things that that i've ever heard of but also it's just got this real kind of um practical aspect to it where it's like well okay it's not the prettiest in the world but it bloody works and Mm. it makes it feel like home um and that kind of lends it, it owes something to theater set design because it's like how do we make something look different with as little effort as possible because ultimately theater design isn't about being lazy it's about being efficient you know efficiencies are are, are everywhere in theater land um and yeah like i i think the film industry in the last uh do you know what? i'm not even going to put a time frame on it because i think it always has benefited um i i think it's definitely benefited from the know-how of people that have worked in theater with limited budgets and limited time frames and live audiences watching um, to be able to redress sets and to uh, make the most of of these one shot movies. And I hope that there are more one shot movies made that st- that are up to the same standard as the ones that I've seen and and uh, this one that uh, you were uh, talking about before. The, the name of which was again because I I'm thinking toilet roll commercial now. <laughs> soft and quiet soft and quiet your favorite loo roll um so yeah soft and quiet like it, it sounds like it's another one of those that i should probably give a look um if only because i really appreciate the fact that they timed the entire filming schedule so that they could get the right light for a single yeah. scene that is yeah. just brilliant i love that yeah again i'm 
uh, I don't know if it's out in the UK. It seems to be out in in, in the US because I know David has seen it. Um, I've seen it at a festival, so it's not out in Germany yet. But mm. um, worth um, giving a look if you have access. Third movie that I want to mention is called Remember. Re slash member, a Japanese movie which uh, came out in Germany on Netflix recently. I was about to say, I've had the notification for this, mm -hmm. and I yeah. like the concept. Uh, why don't you tell the listening audience more about it? So, it is set at a high school, a bunch of teenagers um, that, mm, well, some of them are friends, some aren't friends. They all get drawn into this weird curse where, in the past, a young girl had been killed and was dismembered and all the body parts were hidden in different places and were never found well they they, they didn't they never found the head at least mm -hmm. uh, anyway oh, at night these uh, group of this this group of of teenagers they find themselves together in school in in what seems like to be like a like a, a dream um, reality and uh, now they have to find these body parts so there's there's a coffin and they have to find each body part um, each leg each arm the torso the head they have to to search for them find them put them in the coffin and once they found all the body parts the curse from from that victim is lifted and um, each night they they find themselves in this reality, and then there's um, like a um, let's let's call it a monster, like a, another an entity um, that hunts them. So they can get killed in this dream reality, but they, it's not like Freddy Krueger. <laughs> they they are still alive in the real world. So <laughs> next day they just go to school, and at night they start over. Well, they don't really start over. Going as, as soon as they find one of the body parts, they put it in the coffin and it stays in the coffin, and they have to search for the next body part, and have they try not to get killed um, in, in in various brutal ways. Um, and over the course of the movie, they find one body part after the next the monster gets bigger and more gruesome and it is a little bit too complicated in my opinion the thing <laughs> is um, so it's a japanese movie set in a high school um th your first idea is this is probably uh, an adaptation of a manga series which it actually is um i looked it up afterwards but the film definitely felt like they put 15 volumes of a manga into one movie. I looked it up. It's 17 volumes, the, the manga. Um, oh the story seems to be a little bit different. Um, but in, in its core, it is basically the, the same story. And that's just too much. I, I, I felt the, the movie, I don't know, didn't really come together. Um, it, I'm not, how am I supposed to really... I don't know, care for these characters or be, um, um, I don't know. There's no, there's no tension when you know, well, they're just alive, they're just alive the next day and, and they get going the next night. Mm. And this will just continue. There's no, there's no end to it un, uh, until they find the last body part. No one will die. <laughs> um, 
no one will run out of i don't know some some dream energy or whatever and then disappear mm. um at least well towards the end they they introduce a thing where um, at least uh for, for a while <laughs> uh characters actually actually die and i think they even come back in in the end um i don't know didn't really come together wasn't really suspenseful um I don't know. It, this is the case where I think it's it's not a very good idea to take a 17 volume manga and make it into one movie without yeah. really cutting down on some things. I mean, I'm sure they cut out things, yeah, <laughs> uh, but probably not enough, not enough to make it a, a a cohesive movie. There's a reason why it's called adaptation. Yeah, it, that's a shame. That's a shame. Um, I. I got an email from Netflix, as as you often do, uh, with recommendations, and clearly they decided from my watch history, I think basically because I've watched a lot of anime on there, they're like, well, this is a Japanese thing, you might like this. Um, so I, I may still give it a look, just because I like how it kind of feels like a persona um, story, uh, like the whole kind of dream world with monsters and things that are coming after you, but... It's kind of a shame that there doesn't sound like there's much in the way of stakes. Um, it's possible to make movies that don't have real stakes to them, uh, but those movies tend to be like Groundhog Day, where it's like, well, it's funny. It's a funny movie. It doesn't really have stakes to it because he's just going to keep waking up the next morning, so let's play with that. But to try and make something approaching a horror movie with that mechanic, even with um, Happy Death Day, Right, like they eventually introduce this idea that the more she dies, the um, the less likely she is to come back, or she'll come back in worse and worse health. So there's like a, a finite number of times that um, the main character in that movie can yeah. potentially come back. So exactly. it, it's worth putting something like that in there. It's a shame that it sounds like they haven't really thought about that. Maybe there was something in the manga that did throw some stakes in there that they've left on the cutting room floor or they've decided to take out of the film which i don't know maybe they made a mistake with that maybe they didn't i've not read it i i wouldn't know but it that that's a that's that feels like a bit of a missed opportunity um speaking of missed opportunities i i assume that that's uh all of uh your stuff out of the way you are correct. Okay, so speaking of missed opportunities, let's talk about Inside Job for a second um, because that's one of the things that I watched this week. And funnily enough, I got an email from Netflix about that as well asking me how I was enjoying it, to which I I, I went straight to Twitter and posted about this and mentioned the fact that it probably isn't worth asking me whether I'm enjoying watching something that you've already cancelled. <laughs> Because Netflix have cancelled Inside Job. Um, so I watched the second part of Inside Job, which was released uh, a week or so ago. Uh, very enjoyable. Uh, the reason that I get to talk about it on this show is because it does the kind of cabin in the woods thing where everything is real, all conspiracies are real, and there is a company that are in charge of it all. 
and the main character that we follow in Inside Job works for this company along with uh, some of her friends which include a uh, a jellyfish-like creature that can secrete uh, chemicals that help with uh, mind control and uh, there's a biochemist who's always getting high on his own supply there's a woman that's in charge of fake news and uh, they uh, they have a a character that's brought in at the beginning of the show who is meant to be like your window character um but the mothman exists he's a therapist within the company which i like as an idea he keeps popping up um the abominable snowman is a character that keeps turning up from place to place um in the second part of this show they introduce the concept that there are six groups that rule the world I'm not necessarily going to remember all of them, but I'm going to try my best right now. So the Illuminati are the top dogs, and they include Oprah Winfrey and uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda, and Jay-Z, I think, is in there, um, and Beyonce as well. So there's there's a lot of very popular people who are involved in the Illuminati. Um, There's Cognito, Inc., which is the company that we follow through the show. There's the Catholic Church, uh, I am going to remember all six amazingly. There's the uh, the lizard people, uh, which, you know, if anyone knows anything about the royal family in the UK, they know that they're all lizard people. It was exposed in the private eye or, or whatever the the uh, American uh, rag, the Inquirer or whatever. Uh, they, they often run stuff, uh, rubbish stories, <laughs> fake news as we call it now, but it used to just be called bullshit. Um, the uh, Atlanteans are another group that run the world. And then the sixth group, my favourite of the lot, are the Juggalos. Uh, apparently the Juggalos, uh, the Insane Clown Posse, are one of the six groups that rule the world. And to be honest with you, the more I hear about the Juggalos, the more I like them as just a general group of people. I'm sure that there's some unsavoury stuff that I've not heard about but every time I hear about them, it's because, like, well, a bunch of Nazis had a rally in Washington, so the Juggalos turned up to beat the shit out of them. It's like, I I can get behind this. I really can. Um, and they just kind of seem like a lovely group of people. They just happen to enjoy music uh, that not everyone particularly likes, and they paint their faces and go whoop whoop a lot, which, you know, I can live with. I think the world would probably be a better place if the if the juggalos actually ran things for a little while. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they wouldn't be. But anyway, it's a really fun series. I'm really bummed that it got cancelled. They did actually confirm a second season, and then they not only cancelled subsequent seasons, but they also went back on the confirmation of a season two. So uh, what is on Netflix now is what we will have forever. And it's a real shame because it's got a banger of a theme tune. It's got some great characters, some great voice acting. It really goes into the idea of like myths and legends and monsters and has some real fun with a lot of that. They have like vampires. There's an episode where it turns out that uh, all of the A-list Hollywood uh, actors are vampires, including like Tom Cruise and uh, apparently Keanu Reeves. Although in a twist that nobody saw coming, Keanu Reeves is actually a really nice guy, even though he's a vampire. (laughs) <laughs> and and just wants to grow old gracefully with the woman that he's fallen in love with. Um, so he, even in this show, which takes the piss out of everybody, including Leonardo DiCaprio, um, and they are merciless with Leonardo DiCaprio, let's just put it that way, um, they, they can't be 
unkind to Keanu Reeves because they know what a lovely guy he is. And it's that kind of... Because they can be a little bit mean-spirited with certain people, but it's the fact that they couldn't even be mean-spirited with Keanu Reeves. I was just like, yeah, I, li- I like this writing team. I-, I-, I dig this show. So it's a shame that it's gone, but I-, I watched the rest of it in the last week or so, and I really enjoyed it. So I thought I would just mention it here. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was I've uh, I- I've been re-watching some old episodes of Bleach, which... Uh, again, I, I think people will be familiar with, with Bleach from my previous uh, ramblings about it. But for those who aren't initiated, it's about a 15-year-old boy called Ichigo Kurosaki who turns into a soul reaper um, to uh, rid the world of uh, ghosts that have been hanging around for too long and have essentially lost their souls. And those are called hollows. And uh, it's getting good because we got to the point where he has to go to the world of the Soul Reapers to save a friend who has been taken back there because this is also a shonen anime. And if anyone knows anything about shonen, it's that at some point someone is going to need rescuing and the main hero is going to get really, really strong doing it. And we've finally got to the beginning of that. So um, if anyone has Disney Plus and has not seen Bleach but is interested in shonen anime and... uh, anime that kind of veers slightly into horror but not so much that it's going to keep you up at night thinking about it then uh bleach is definitely the the uh, series for you and i would recommend people give it a little go it can take a minute to get really started properly like it's one of these shows that takes a a few episodes for it to find its feet and its direction but it does have to set a few things up before it can really get trucking so i finished episode 20 so far and uh, it's really started to get moving now so that's really the only stuff for me the only other stuff that i've done this week has been you know watching youtube and just just as we all do generally wasting my time on things i don't need to um i've been fighting the urge to get paramount plus but i'm just going to wait until the third season of picard is done and then i'll watch it all in one go i think but yeah that's it bit of a quiet one for me but better than not having anything at all that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we all do other stuff. I mean, I could talk about other movies that I've seen that are not oh, horror. Gotcha. So. <laughs> yeah, we, but we, we don't want to be here started, all day. <laughs> we started Taskmaster from the beginning again. <laughs> oh, of course you did. Of course you did. I don't. I, I approve of this use of your time as well. Taskmaster is brilliant. I love it. So well done. All right. It's time for our main topic. Uh, I fought the urge to say it's time for the main event. Um, I'm watching WCW in the background right now. (laughs) (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for your eerie international main event of the evening. This lucha is set for one fall. All right, Werewolves Within is a 2021 American mystery comedy horror film directed by Josh Rubin from a screenplay by Mishnah Wolf based on the video game of the same name from Red Storm Entertainment. It stars Sam Richardson, Milana Weintrup, George Basil, Sarah Burns, Michael Chernus, Catherine Curtin, Wayne Duvall, Harvey Guillen, Rebecca Henderson, Cheyenne Jackson, Michaela Watkins and Glenn Fleschler and follows a group of people in a small Vermont town who get trapped in a snowstorm only to suspect one of them 
is a werewolf. Dave, do you know that video game? I, I don't. Didn't I, I? I was aware of it by name because I was listening to a lot of video games podcasts around about the time it came out, especially IGN, and so there were discussions about it. But they didn't really talk about it so much that I got to know what it was much about. So I did a little bit of research um, after I'd finished this film just to see how close to the original it was. And it turns out that there's not much to the original. Um, <laughs> it's it's basically just like a virtual reality um, who's the killer where you just sit in a circle and everybody asks each other questions and try to figure out who the werewolf is. Um, it, there's not much to it at all so I'm massively surprised that they managed to make a movie out of it <laughs> and yet they did um, so yeah not and particularly familiar with as, it as uh, Wikipedia says it holds the highest rated critic scores on Rotten Tomatoes and Metacritic for a film based on a video game I don't know if that's currently still true or when that was written on Wikipedia but maybe well, <laughs> it debuted two years ago, so I'm guessing there haven't been many movies based on video games out since. Maybe when was Uncharted? I feel like Uncharted was before the pandemic. Mm, um, I don't think so. Was it not? Okay. I think I was within the last two years. Okay. But, well, well, either way, as, as soon as I, the Mario I'm movie... I'm pretty sure Uncharted doesn't have a higher critic score than where was with Probably not. <laughs> as soon as the Mario movie comes out, then um, this is going to have to be rewritten because everybody knows that that movie is going to be perfect 10 out of 10. Um, <laughs> it's got Jack Black in it. It's got a good chance of being a good movie, let's be fair. It's got a good chance of not being a good one either. Mario. Um, I, his his voice is growing on me. The more I see the trailers, it's like he he's being Chris Pratt, but at least he's trying to give it a little bit of a Mario sound. I, I mean, don't. Know. I don't care either way. But uh, for, for, for for now, it seems like uh, many people aren't very happy with that decision, and that may stay in the way of um, mm. the movie being as popular as others i don't know anyway but from from what you described about the video game um it's probably a um a good thing that there's not much of a story in the video game because then yeah. they were totally at freedom to do whatever they wanted with the movie <laughs> do you know what what i actually really like about it is the fact that when you get to the basis of this movie it's actually quite close to the concept of the video game. Like mm. it, it does come down to who is a werewolf and you do yeah. get the answer. So, and, and I'll be honest with you within 10 minutes of the movie starting, I was like, this person's the werewolf. And I was absolutely right. Um, some clumsy scripting, let's put it that way. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't disagree with the idea that critics have rated this the highest of, of all video game uh, movies. Because, as you said, I, I think it benefits from the fact that there's so little source material to work with that they can basically make their own movie and then just kind of tag it in with the whole, based on Werewolves Within, the hit game from Ubisoft. Let's get a little bit more into the actual plot of the movie. And because I'm lazy, I will just read a few paragraphs from Wikipedia again. Yeah. 
Forest ranger Finn Wheeler is assigned to cover Beaverfield, a small town where the residents are divided over a pipeline proposed by businessman Sam Parker. Upon arriving, Finn befriends mail carrier Cecily Moore while also meeting Trisha Anderson and her unfaithful husband Pete, wealthy couple Devin and Joachim Wolfson, blue-collar workers Gwen and Marcus, and isolationist Emerson Flint. That night, a blizzard knocks out all power in Beaverfield, forcing the residents to take refuge in a lodge owned by Janine Sherman. The power outage occurs right before Trisha's dog is killed by an unknown assailant, which increases tensions in the town. Further conflict arises when Finn discovers that all of Beaverfield's generators were sabotaged and the body of Janine's missing husband, Dave, is underneath the lodge's porch. Um, that should be enough. At some point, um, they start realizing that maybe, maybe there's a werewolf among us. <laughs> uh, which, of course, uh, always the first idea. Um, but no, at some point, uh, there, there's a bit of lore within the movie um, in that town where people might suspect, well, historically, there are stories about maybe werewolves being around here so maybe one of us is a werewolf and it's a uh, well it's, it's a it's it's a whodunit um, <laughs> um but also it, it's more of a who's doing it <laughs> uh, because of course uh, people start dying and one after another is taken out um and the the protagonist uh, what's his name Finn Wheeler yeah. uh, the the forest ranger is trying to to solve um, the case. How did you like the movie, Dave? Um, I liked the movie perfectly okay. Uh, like, I, I don't think it's going to go down as one of my favourite werewolf movies, um, but there were things about it that I did enjoy. Um, I think most of the, uh, the the ensemble cast are quite engaging and funny and i enjoyed watching them playing off against each other um especially the uh the couple the uh, the mechanic and her husband i i really enjoyed how they interacted with everyone else in the lodge um i would have liked for there to be more werewolf content like actual werewolf content and not just like ooh, there could be a werewolf it's literally just like somebody's murdered at the beginning of the movie you don't see anything um somebody has their hand chomped off halfway through the movie you don't actually see anything and then <laughs> at the end of the movie you finally see something and it's just kind of like just a little bit tiny little bit disappointing like I, I didn't think that the werewolf makeup was the best in the world um but it wasn't the worst i've seen either don't get me wrong like uh i i like the uh the whodunit aspect of of the film um i think that that worked quite nicely but again i i think that it would have been nice to have more actual werewolf content because there was a point in the movie where I was convinced myself that there wasn't a werewolf and it was just someone pretending that there was a werewolf around. Um, so it it can't... It feels like it, it doesn't quite have the confidence in itself to make itself an, an out-and-out werewolf movie. Um, I really do like um, Harvey um, Guillen 
Um, he's in uh, what we do in the Shadows, a TV series. Um, and uh, seeing him in this, I, I was just like, oh, I'm, I'm glad that he's he's getting some work outside of, of just that series. Um, and I, Milana uh, Vantrub is a complete new face to me. I am not familiar with any of her previous work, but I have to admit to falling a little bit in love with her, to be honest. She's, <laughs> I, I wouldn't say she's like manic pixie girl or anything like that, but there's, there was just something about her that mm. I really couldn't take my eyes off of when she was on screen. Yeah. Um, and I thought her and Sam Richardson had some brilliant chemistry together. And I was actually a little bit bummed when it turned out that she was spoilers uh, for the end of the movie that that she was the vampire vampire she was the werewolf um Me too. yeah I'm, I'm glad i wasn't the only one there because i just really wanted for that to work out between yeah. the two of them and do you know what even after she admitted she was the werewolf i was still kind of hoping that she would just be like i'm not going to eat you i like you i'm just going to eat everyone else you know like yeah. it would have maybe put him in an interesting position where if he was like, oh, okay, then, then suddenly the audience completely check out and they're like, okay, well, these two are just assholes. But yeah, it was just, I, I was just, it's another one of these movies where I enjoyed watching it. I could happily watch it again if it was on. I'm not necessarily going to search it out to watch it. Um, mm. But I think it's one that I would probably recommend that people check out for themselves to see what they thought of it because it might just be a case of, I was expecting one thing and I didn't quite get what I was expecting. And that's mm. not fair of me on the movie. Um, but what about yourself? I'm, I'm, maybe maybe mm. I'm alone on this. I know that we do share some uh, consensus <laughs> where it comes to certain things about it. Yeah. So uh, I was very well entertained by this movie. I was actually surprised by how much I liked it. I didn't have, I don't know, high expectations for the movie. Didn't know really any of the people involved except for a couple of actors that I've seen in other things. I know that the director made a movie that I haven't seen, Scare Me, that I think people liked. I had no affiliation with the video game. Mm. So, yeah, didn't really have any specific expectations. And I I thought the the humor worked very, very well for me. Mm. Um, the, the chemistry, as you pointed out, between the actors um, and... I had the same reaction as you. Um, the um, the 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 male carrier is is very likable. The the whole um, the, I thought I, I, actually every every character in that town has their own likable quirks. Mm. Um, you really get the the relationships between these characters and and the the functions in the story that each character fulfills and the 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 chemistry between the forest ranger and the the male carrier was really very likable very i don't know entertaining <laughs> mm. um and the i mean it, it's of course it's a bit of a um, a, a storytelling device to have some uh, to have an outsider come into a established situation yeah. and bring a fresh pair of eyes and ideas and everything and and I thought that worked very well 
what I was really surprised by was the look of the movie, how much I liked the aesthetic of the movie, the camera work, the, the color grading. I thought the movie looked really nice. Um, and so, yeah, for me, it, it worked perfectly well. And then we... we Bianca and myself, we had the same reaction as you in the end, where we thought, well, I didn't, as, as you mentioned, you said, like, I don't know, after 10 minutes or so, you suspected that she would be the, the werewolf. Yeah. I, I didn't really, I didn't see it uh, that early on in the movie. But in the end, yeah, we, we were really bummed that not only that she is the werewolf, but that she is really mean. We, we yeah. thought, if, if, if there was some, was some tragic element to it, where she's, yeah, I, 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 I want to be nice, but I am cursed with this werewolf curse that mm -hmm. I, I would like to get rid of, but it that's just the situation. I don't want to kill these people, but it is this, this cursed away. nature that I'm... The, the, the spell that I'm under. But no, she's just really mean. <laughs> and that was disappointing uh, because she was such a likable character and such a, such mm. a funny character. And, um But yeah, uh, just as you mentioned, I, I would definitely recommend this movie. I, 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 as I said, I was entertained from beginning to end. I was surprised how um, how much I liked the the humor of it, how well the humor worked for me. Um, that's that's that sometimes something that that doesn't really work for me that well. I don't know. I'm I'm, I'm weird when it comes to to humor <laughs> that's a weird sentence no not um, really I know what you mean but yeah I've, I've, I, I, so there's, there were so many instances where I thought well this this is a nice mise-en-scene here a nice framing the way that they they frame the the, the, the characters um, in the in the image um, so, so it felt to me like very well thought out um, where the, the camera was placed, where the actors were placed, um, where the light came from and everything. So I, I actually felt for... So the I said that I didn't really have specific expectations for the movie, but still, of course, I had some idea of what kind of movie this would be. I had watched the trailer, I had read a few sentences about it, um, and then I was really surprised how um, much more the movie played to my sensibilities which I did not expect aesthetically um, humor wise um, character wise acting wise um, I felt like the the movie didn't really do anything particularly wrong so it's a it's a well-made entertaining horror comedy with as you pointed out a lower level of horror um uh, and the the it takes a while for the killings to begin <laughs> oh but uh, some of them are so good yeah <laughs> and then and then there's some really uh inventive no well, maybe not inventive but really entertaining <laughs> uh kills in the movie um so yeah i oh, i i really like this movie Yeah, the the double kill of the uh, the the married couple, like the the wife uh, reverses over her husband by accident, doesn't even realise she's hit him. She just reverses over him and then screams out the window, "Get out of here! We gotta get going!" And then no sooner has she done that, then she gets shot in the head and like the blood splatter onto the, the window 
that we're looking through. It's all just so violent and so fast-paced. Yeah. I just kind of ended up laughing. I, I probably shouldn't have laughed. I should have been shocked. But it felt like it was set up so comedically in a way. Yeah. Um, and then also um, Michaela Watkins. I'm sure if I spoke to Tyler about this, he would know who she was because apparently she um, did some stuff on uh, Saturday Night Live um in the uh the mid noughties um between 2008 well the late noughties 2008 and 2009 um so michaela watkins was trisha anderton who was the uh the wife of um of pete um she wanted her craft store so she murdered one of the um one of the uh the rich couple with a um a tap for <laughs> for making um oh god maple syrup uh, which again, an imaginative kill, but you don't actually see him bleeding out or anything. You just see her stick it into his neck, and that's it. Um, and then she gets like locked out of her own house because they all retreat back inside after she shot the the woman in her car. And she, why? <laughs> it's a brilliant comic moment where she walks in one direction, and then the camera just stays on the house in like a, a fixed shot. And then she walks back through the frame again, saying. Hang on a minute. No, I know a better way into the house. Blah, blah, blah. And she's like muttering to herself, but in this really comedic way. And and it it just kind of feels like everybody has suddenly gone absolutely crazy in this town because absolutely everyone is willing to kill everyone else. And that's kind of where I felt almost that there didn't need to be a werewolf. They could they could play this off as being um Parker, the the guy that is running the the the, um, the the oil line through or the gas line through the town, he could just as easily have set all of it up to make them uh, distrust each other and to divide the community and to get what he wanted, and and there didn't need to be a werewolf. Or it could still have been that he was responsible for everything, and it turned out that Cecily was a werewolf, but she was literally just kind of feeding on the. Mm. On, on on the disaster that, that followed like she could kind of almost sniff out the distrust and the murderous intent of the people that lived there and she was just waiting for it all to go down so that she could basically be more like um uh, a hyena you know like picking on the mm-hmm. leftovers rather than actively having to kill everyone but no they had to turn her into the typical oh i'm not actually a nice girl i'm a terrible girl um what was the name of uh, was it mega megalodon i think was the name of the band that she told finn that she was in and it was because the name of the lead singer was meg and he said you guys didn't disband did you and she said no i i ate them all um, that was a great joke. I really enjoyed that joke. But generally speaking, I, I wasn't a big fan, as as you guys weren't, of the whole Cecily turning out to be not only the werewolf, but really kind of like quite evil and um, not having much of a redeeming feature. Because I, I really like that character throughout the movie. I really fell in love with, with that character from a, a comedic point of view. Like I felt like all, all of her delivery comedically was really spot on. But again, like we, we've already mentioned, her and, and Sam Richardson have got such brilliant chemistry together. And it felt kind of unusual to have that device of the new person in town. But to double it up, so you've got two new people coming into town who don't know each other either, and they're both trying to work out what's going on. Um, 
but it's just yeah i just the, the whole thing just kind of felt like a bit a bit of a, a shame for me i i guess but that it's on me because i'm i'm thinking that it should be one thing and not just sitting back and taking the film on on its own merits and on its own terms so i would have done it a different way but this is why i'm not a filmmaker and uh and and why josh rubin is um and also why uh i mean they couldn't have got a better writer for the movie than uh mission of wolf right like that's that just that's perfect <laughs> That's probably why she got the job. Absolutely, Ubisoft have got a sense of humour. Um, yeah, it's. I, I don't know if, to 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 take another um, football detour. Mm. I believe it was in the nineties. Um, the German team from the town of Wolfsburg, which uh, means yes. Wolf Castle. Um, so there's Wolf in the town. This is. Because and, and because of that, the team is called the Wolves. <coughs> mm -hmm. And for a while, they had a coach whose name was Wolfgang Wolf. <laughs> That's brilliant. And I'm sure he only got the job because of the name. <laughs> I mean, as an Arsenal fan who spent 20 plus years under Arsene Wenger, I cannot argue. Yeah. You yeah. know, there's there's something very satisfying, actually, about having a manager whose name is almost the same as your club. Um, I, I'm just looking forward to uh, Chelsea uh, bringing Chelsea Clinton in as their manager because it's got. Uh, to be honest with you, Todd Bowley, I would not put it past him because he doesn't really understand how football works. He just looks at who people want and then buys them for a lot of money before the deal can be completed by the other clubs. So, <laughs> yeah, Chelsea Clinton at Chelsea, and um, I'm trying to think of off the top of my help, other, uh, off the top of my head, other people that could manage. Uh, t uh, football teams, but I'm I'm running I'm running dry. If if anyone listening, and I know we have some football fans in the house, um, can think of of any uh, appropriate uh, or should I say inappropriate managers for football teams just based on their names, let me know because I'm all about that. Wolfgang Wolf, that takes a lot of beating, frankly. Like that's the double <laughs> barrel. That you you've got both barrels there. That's that's perfect. Absolutely. You're never going to beat that. Of course, famously, uh, Wolfsburg sponsored by Volkswagen because uh, I believe the main factory is in Wolfsburg. Yeah. Could be wrong. Correct. But it's one of my favorite um, club kits, actually, because you don't have many teams that play in green. And uh, yeah. I don't know. It, they always have nice shirts for whatever reason. I, I didn't say that I was a deep football fan. I, I, I can be, I can be vain as well, you know. <laughs> right back to the movie. Yes. Back to other wolves. So the the way that you just described the movie, where you thought may, maybe there isn't even a a wolf, or they they doesn't mm. necessarily need to be a wolf, reminded me of this is a bit of a needful thing situation here <laughs> or, um, the way you described it with the the the, the pipeline guy who who um, who who yeah i don't know uh, the, brings up the town yeah. people against each other um and and the some people do want the pipeline some people don't want the pipeline and they they get each get at each other's throats uh, about that and and then there's a a wolf thrown into the mix, a werewolf. <laughs> yeah, it do, it does kind of feel just tacked on. Um, I suppose I should point out that the moment 
at which I thought to myself, yeah, she's probably the werewolf. There's a line, and far be it from me to criticise the scriptwriters or the actors, but it felt like a really on-the-nose line where they were both walking up to um, Flint's place. And I think Finn says something about his beautiful countryside out there. And then Cecily says, yeah, I, I feel like I can only ever truly be myself in the outdoors. And it was something about that line and about how mm-hmm. out of nowhere it was and how really unwarranted it, it felt. Like, it didn't feel necessarily 100% natural in conversation. Mm-hmm. And the way that she delivered it absolutely felt like she was... You know, sometimes you watch a film and there'll be a bit of dialogue that's throwaway and then it becomes really important later on in the movie. Like, normally it's a Poirot movie or something like that, and it's a big clue. Or Murder, She Wrote is great for this. There's always, like, one line that someone says offhand and Jessica Fletcher is just like, you know, they'll say, like, oh, I have to go and pick up my laundry from the from the laundromat. And suddenly Jessica Fletcher will hear that and she'll be like, oh, I know who did the murder now. Like, it, it's that kind of thing. Yeah. And unfortunately it turned out that i was right in this instance um Mm. i wish i wasn't but there we are (laughs) i'm not claiming to be smart where it comes to this kind of thing it was a lucky guess but you know she was the only one really that had a line of dialogue that felt like it was an an admission before there was Mm. the question and we all knew the question was coming so yeah there you go that's that was my logic Well, (laughs) you can say well caught. I I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm just picking up on this stuff and making these guesses so that I can be right. And then when I'm not right, I never mention it. (laughs) Look, you're only ever right if you say that you guessed it. You know, 100% of the time I'm right when I say I'm right. (laughs) Except for when I'm not, which is often actually. So I don't know what I bothered saying that for. Well, um, I, is is there is there much more to talk about uh, regarding this movie? Um, I, I try to think if I forgot anything because it's been two weeks. Oh, I did like the doctor, the movie. the, um, the doctor who was there as a, a scientist. Yeah, she was like she was yeah. there on behalf of the um, ecologically concerned residents. Yeah. Um, and it turned out that she was also an expert in all things canine, which is very handy when <laughs> you've got a werewolf on the on the brow. Um, I, I, uh, I the, it was Rebecca Henderson who was was playing um, Doctor Ellis. I thought that her performance was wonderfully strange. Like she understood the assignment. Like she was. Mm-hmm. She was potentially a werewolf, so she had to act a bit weird and a bit strange and a bit untrustworthy. But at the same time, it felt like it was a natural way for somebody to react when they were untrusting of the people around her. And she got more and more uh, untrusting until the end where you know she ended up shooting herself. And, and even then, the fact that we don't see it happen, and there's another person in the room who could potentially be a werewolf themselves it was a really well done moment because um it, it eliminates her from the inquiries but it also sets up another suspect because you know she was talking about the fact that it could could be a werewolf and all that kind of stuff um yeah. and i also like the fact that every single person 
that was in the uh, the lodge. The, the, I mean, there's a joke about everyone having a gun, which it's America, you know. <laughs> yeah. Of course, everyone's got a gun, yeah. um, but also uh, there was pretty much everybody volunteered some kind of theory when the possibility of a werewolf being around was mentioned everybody had a theory or a myth or a legend that they relayed in terms of werewolves like oh you have to be the seventh son or you have to be this or you you know there's there's that and whatever everybody posited these ideas and i i like the way that it made you think, oh, well, it could be anyone. And then also you find out that one of the characters is the seventh child in a family. And, you know, a lot of them ended up fitting at least one of these myths. Um, even to the point that we thought for a split second, it could even be Finn that was the werewolf because it was. Yeah. Uh, it turned out that there had been attacks in all of the public uh, parks that he had visited. So, yeah. Pretty well written. Yeah, I thought the script was pretty well written. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I I don't really have have any complaints about the movie. Um, no, I I, yeah. I think for me it's, it's just that it wasn't what I was hoping or expecting mm. it to be. And but I I still think it's a good movie. Like I didn't pan, I don't think I panned it at any point. It's just that mm. there there are some things that I would have preferred done differently. And um, but mm. but overall I I still think it's a recommend to uh, to other people to watch. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think it's a good time. I think it's a it's a fun movie even to watch with people that aren't necessarily into horror because it is it is lighter on the horror. There is still mm. werewolf elements to it, but it is it's comedic, of course, and of course all the there's other kills than the werewolf kills, and and there's some yeah uh, brutality there in the movie. Um, but still, I think this is like one of those, you know, you know, many people watch horror movies um, during Halloween season, and that's the only time that they watch horror movies, and so they're they're not not seasoned horror movie watchers. And I think Where Was Within is a perfect movie for that time of year for people who mm. I don't know want a want a recommendation of a horror movie that they can watch if if they aren't really deep horror fans. So, this is a this is a good one to to watch uh, alone or with a group of people entertaining fun not too long looks good um well produced well written um yeah good one agreed and now i'm going to be keeping an eye out for milano vantrup in everything else because <laughs> I, I i've got a little bit of a schoolboy crush on her she's wonderful <laughs> yeah wonderful um Double feature picks. I told Dave before we started recording that I forgot to uh, write something down to pick something. But during our discussion, I came up with something that I hadn't thought of. So my double feature pick for Where Was Within is Joe Dante's 1981 movie The Howling um, again, also a werewolf comedy with more werewolf. Not necessarily the best werewolf makeup. You mentioned the the werewolf makeup. Werewolf makeup is always something difficult. I feel mm. there's not many werewolf movies where people point out how well done the werewolf makeup is. Um, so anyway, uh, the Howling 1981, uh, a 
similar in the sense that someone, an outsider, comes to a small community um, with weird things going on. But in that case, the whole community is werewolves. <laughs> Not just one <laughs> werewolf, but a whole community of werewolves. Um, but yeah, I, I think that would work nicely together, the howling and werewolves mm. within. Did you have an idea? I I do. I th- This is a hell of a stretch and a bit of a cheat because I'm not going to pair it with a movie. I'm going to pair it with a TV series because I don't think that there's any finer piece of fiction to couple this with than a TV series where an outsider comes to a town where everyone's a bit weird and strange and shit happens that can't quite be explained and people die than Twin Peaks. So as much as it as much time as it's going to take somebody to complete this double feature <laughs> I I am going to say that people should watch Twin Peaks alongside this. <laughs> Maybe I could just say Fire Walk with me. Um that that might be a way of getting around it, but I I feel like the original TV series is actually the better thing to pair this with. So apologies for all your spare time, everybody. And I don't expect anyone <laughs> to ever actually watch the double features that we recommend. But there's just the the weirdness just stacks up so nicely. And again, like we mentioned the fact that every single one of these characters in Werewolf Within has got something about them, which is kind of like a, at the very least, a, a likable uh, quirk about them. And I, I think that that's true of a lot of characters in Twin Peaks as well. Um, not all of them, of course. There are some absolutely hateable and lamentable characters, but you know, it's it's a quiet, you know, uh, out of the way, um, forested community, and people are weird. And I will always think of Twin Peaks when that is the case. So log cabins <laughs> and all. There we go. I mean, we all should just, in general, always watch Twin Peaks. Oh. oh yeah, I'm I'm completely okay with this statement, and uh, I, I, I my name is Dave Roberts, and I endorse this message. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. Wonderful. So we recommend Werewolves Within, uh, and if you have the time, or I mean, you don't even have to pair Twin Peaks with, with Werewolves Within. We just recommend Twin Peaks. <laughs> we always recommend Twin Peaks. Indeed. That's it for this episode. Um, good discussion. I think we, uh, especially the the whole discussion about theater and film and oneers and stuff, oh, I didn't expect that. So it was nice. <laughs> um. <laughs> Sometimes our best discussions are the ones that we never had planned. <laughs> yeah, sure. Uh, so, special episode. Um, we haven't made plans for next episode yet. Uh, we will let you know on our social media channels, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Follow us there. We mentioned write us um, uh, loving emails to our eerieinternational at gmail.com email account. And with that, we'll leave you to whatever you're doing. Uh, and yeah, watch Twin Peaks and The Werewolves Within. No, not The Werewolves. It's just Werewolves Within. I be- There's no the in the title. Mm. I'm confusing things. Uh, at the end of this episode <laughs> I'm sorry it was going uh, so see you next well. time bye bye bye
This has been a production of FanOff.com. And that's perfect.